0: If you are wondering about options for getting sober or harm reduction or finding a way out of addiction for you or a loved one, this may be the episode for you. I am going to be interviewing Tim Westbrook. This is Paul Krause, and you are listening to the Intentional Clinician Podcast. A little about Tim before we get started. Tim's struggles with substance use addiction eventually began to affect every area of his life. By March 2011, Tim had hit his bottom and began willing to go to any lengths to get and stay sober. Tim is very public about his journey out of addiction and into recovery. He is very inspiring. He has a passion for health and fitness, long-term sobriety and changing lives. And he actually began to change his entire business to open Camelback Recovery in Phoenix, Arizona and he has many programs in that, and we'll talk about that throughout the episode and and how he has developed that. Tim Westbrook has also held board positions for several nonprofits. He works a 12-step program and is connected in the recovery community. He is also an Ironman and an avid yogi. In the interest of furthering his education and becoming a better helper at Camelback Recovery, He obtained a Master's of Science in Addiction Counseling at Grand Canyon University in 2016. His recovery has led him to living a happy, useful, and whole life in sobriety. So, if you want to know more about this and how he's now helping others, stay tuned for this episode. If you are a therapist and you're looking for a quality billing service, check out therapistbillingservicesllc.com. services LLC.com. That's therapistbillingservicesllc.com, services llc.com, a billing service created by therapists for therapists. All right, let's get to the interview. Welcome to the podcast. Tim Westerbrook, thanks for being here. Hey Paul, it's good to be here. Thank you. Absolutely. I'm glad to have you on the show. Um, And, uh, when I'm in Phoenix, my office is somewhat near your Camelback recovery center. And so, but I, have never actually gotten to go there yet, but I've, I've met with some of your, uh, staff and, um, management. Uh, so, and I've been impressed so far. So, okay, yeah. awesome, awesome.
1: So you're in the our outpatient clinic in the Biltmore. Is that where you're referring to?
0: Yes, yes. And okay, you've got cool. multiple locations now, I guess, right? we
1: we do. We do. We have our outpatient clinic and our integrated health and wellness center are in the Biltmore. And then we've got sober living homes in Scottsdale. And then we have our uh, residential treatment center is in Peoria, actually,
0: oh, okay. excellent. Yes. Um, so, well, I, I was. Th- this episode is kind of about recovery and options. And one of the reasons I was bringing you on was because of how many options you actually offer your uh, clientele. Especially was interested in the like the integrative stuff you guys have been doing near the Biltmore. Uh, I think it's so cool and well needed uh, because, not to stereotype, but sometimes I've clients have told me and people have told me i went to the addiction center and they said well stop doing heroin here use some cigarettes or stop drinking alcohol but eat ice cream and cheeseburgers for every meal like to substitute not really getting to the root cause and i know that you guys really work on um integrative medicine and you have all these options so to, that was part of my impetus for getting you on. But I think for people to understand what you are, we got to know who you are and and, and then, we'll, and then why Camelback recovery is the way it is. So maybe we could talk a little bit about you first. Sure. About yourself.
1: Sure. I'm, I got, uh, I'm an open book. What, what do you want to know?
0: Well, just kind of in, in your situation, uh, why, you know, how did you get into the recovery community and, and then now actually leading an entire, uh, center. So I I got sober in 2011. My
1: sobriety day is March 8th, 2011. And when I got sober, I owned another business. And when I got sober, I was like, I was I was all in. And I went to one or two meetings a day. I had a sponsor. I worked the steps. I had sponsees. I was doing lots of service work. So I was fully. I mean, like my whole life was recovery, which was what I needed. For, at least, for for me, at least for my first couple of years, it's like everything I did was recovery related. I, I, I went to the meeting. I went to the meeting before the meeting. I went to the meeting after the meeting. All the people that I hung out with were in recovery. I mean, in my experience, everything has to change. That's how I see people actually succeed at being clean and sober. So new friends, new hobbies, new interests, new um, eating habits, new sleeping habits, new extras, like everything has to change. And that's how it was for me. And that was what worked. And in 2013, I was getting out of the business that I was in and the opportunity, I I owned a few homes, which I, I pretty much lost all of them, but I had one more. I had one house that I didn't lose and I ended up turning that house into a recovery home. And, and actually, what gave me the idea, because I was in, uh, I owned a vacation, a property management company, and I I leased out one of my homes to a couple of women, and it turned out that these women were in recovery. And I was like, wow, what a coincidence. And then I found out that they turned my home into a recovery home for women. I was like, Really? So they didn't, they didn't just tell me about, it, they didn't disclose it. So I don't necessarily agree with that, but I've come to believe that everything happens exactly the way that it's supposed to. I found out when I was supposed, you know, I found out basically when I was trying to figure out what I was going to do next with my life. And I was like, huh? Okay. So I've got a bunch of, uh, of women here. They're getting clean and sober and they, they need a sober living home and these as as tenants, they were, they were good tenants. I mean, they paid their bills. They were never late. They always took care of the home. And so that was kind of what opened the eye, opened my eyes to the possibility of getting into the business. So I had another home. I ended up turning that home into a a recovery home and decided to go back to school to get my master's in addiction counseling. So that was kind of how I, how I, how I started Camelback Recovery. So I wasn't in the business. A lot of people that are in this business, they start out as BHTs, they start out working in the that that wasn't me. I was just a I was just a a a guy that was in recovery, trying to figure out what I was gonna do next with my life. And I had a house. And after doing some research, I was like, okay, this seems like a good thing for me to do. And I was passionate about passionate about recovery, passionate about helping people, trying to figure out what I'm gonna do next with my life. So let me turn my home into a recovery home and let me go back to school and get my master's. And so that was how I kind of went down the path of, of being in the business
0: of, of treatment, essentially. Oh, wow. Yeah. it sort of just kind of happened in a way to you. And, uh, it, it, and then it's, it's, it's of course gotten much larger since. So, um, I I'm just, I'm curious about maybe one of the, some of the lessons you learned early on in recovery, um, you know, because you had been in business before, mm-hmm. uh different type of business, uh, but what are some of the lessons, I think, you know, that you learned when you started doing business sober as, uh, as opposed to before? What are oh, some things man. that struck you? Well,
1: as a leader, I, I'm a much better leader because, okay, so being being in recovery, I've learned to live an honest life. I've learned to do the next right thing. And, you know, the, the, the way of living life pre-sobriety was all about lying, cheating, and stealing. And it's, 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 uh, you know, self-centered, self-seeking, selfish behavior. It was all about me and I was a taker. And, and so that was kind of the, like, for the most part, generally speaking, that was kind of how, how I operated. And I don't think my employees really liked me. My staff didn't really like, I mean, maybe they did. And it might be a little bit of an exaggeration, but I can tell you that as a leader, I've, I've just learned how to be of service, do the next right thing. It's all about bringing value, making a contribution. And at the end of the day, like today, I just like, I want, I want my employees to be happy. And, for example, we had a, a one of our uh, one of the people on our team came to us and said, "Hey, I'm considering. You know, I I I I think I want to make some more money, and I'm thinking about going over here and taking this other position at another company. Unless you guys, you know, unless you're willing to give me more money, and and I was like, listen, man, like I just want you to be happy. If you want to be part of our team." We're, we just opened up this residential treatment center. We're in the process of growing and we don't have a lot of additional funds. Like we're not giving out raises right now. We're like, we're in it. Like we're all working together. And, and so if, if you wanna be part of our team, if you like working here, like let's do it. But if you wanna go work somewhere else, you should go work somewhere else and I'll help you. Like we'll help you go somewhere else. I want you, I just want you to be happy. And if our values are aligned and you want to work for us, let's do it. So, so that's kind of, so kind of my, my leadership style has, has changed as opposed to like, Oh, I need to, this guy is good. I need to keep this guy on my team. Mm. And and so it's really like God's in control. I'm not in control Right. And, and not being attached to the outcome where I think I was much more attached to the, I mean, I would stay up for hours at night thinking about things and how I can manipulate and get things to work exactly the way that I wanted them to work. Mm. And today it's not, it's like, Hey, I'm, I'm in business. I'm, I have a solid head on my shoulders. I know how to make good decisions based upon data, based upon um, specific things, but I I'm not attached. And there's so much freedom that is associated with not being attached to the outcome. And Hey, I mean, like I'm, I'm in business and, and at the end of the day, I, I I do need to make a profit. Um, But I know that also being in business means that I have, you know, to run a successful business, I have happy employees, I have happy customers. We're doing a good job. Like those are all things that are, that are included um, in
0: running a successful business. So I don't know if that answers your question, but I'm, I'm, I know that's just the beginning of it, but I I think that does answer my question because one of the things I'm noticing is um, being open, trying to make the right choices based on what's right for everybody and not just yourself, which Mm -hmm. is like we're, you know, coming at it from a holistic perspective and also not, you know, like you said, like, hey, being honest with your employee, like, hey, this is what we're up to. This is what we're trying to do, try to figure this out versus when you, you said like before when you you know before recovery it was all about how can i you know triumph in this how do i get what i need and and that didn't work as well for you it, yeah, it, yeah, i mean like it didn't didn't right but
1: yeah i mean it's overwhelming it's exhausting nothing ever works out exactly the way i wanted it to work out so just having the you know the just take, taking things as they come and not being attached to the outcome is just much easier in my experience. Do you
0: think that philosophy is something you learned from recovery or in recovery? Yes. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, it's so, and, and here's the other thing. I, it's not just, so I think recovery is where I, that's my found, my foundation is the 12 steps. Right. So that was kind of where I built my foundation and learning how to live, live an honest life, doing the next right thing, working through the steps. But there's, there's lots of other things and other groups I'm involved with that are, that operate the same way. Like genius network is a, is a, is a a business, is a, like a mastermind networking on group for entrepreneurs, high level entrepreneurs. Yeah. And Joe Polish is the founder and his, he always talks about contribution and bringing value. And so that group, there are people that are in recovery that are in that group, but not everybody is in recovery, but it's mm-hmm. still the, the, that same type of thinking. It's still being responsible, not a victim, making things happen and, and, just, um, providing a valuable service that is, is worthwhile.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That makes sense. So yeah, recovery was the beginning and now you've expanded into other groups, learning about other things in the philosophical realm, which is now affecting the business world. Right. Um, so, uh, yeah, I guess some more questions I have would be about, uh, just, what your mission is with the Camelback recovery, um, in general, like, I obviously see that you have multiple interests, like you're into not just sobriety, but health and, and fitness and, um, you know, figuring out, like, I, I know for instance, at the integrative clinic, you have a lot of different types of doctors and clinicians to help Mm -hmm. people depending on what they're coming in with. So can you talk about a little bit about the mission and what you're trying to do there?
1: So ultimately, we're, I'm in the business of saving lives, mm-hmm. and, and that's what I want. I want to help people not just get clean and sober, because I know that getting clean and sober can be short-lived, mm-hmm. is short-lived. For most people, it's short-lived. And the reason I believe it's short-lived is because people don't ever really get to the root of it. Hmm. And, and, and I want to help people find happiness and fulfillment because that's at the end of the day, that's what we all want. We all want happiness and fulfillment. And yeah, I remember I was, I was in a, I was in a, a a mastermind meeting. It wasn't a mastermind meeting. It was, um, an event like a personal development event. So Michael Burnoff was facilitating the event and he's been sober since I think 2018, he's not officially in recovery, but he doesn't drink. And, and so, um, while being uh, one of the questions that he asked during the event was like, you know, what, what are the things that you want? And, and so everybody's writing down their list of things. There's like 350 people in this, in this, um, event, everybody's writing down these things and, you know, it's like, I want to, I want a big house. I want to, you know, be in a number 10 relationship. I want a new car. I want to make a million dollars a year. I want, you know, people want all these things, but really at the end of the day, the reason why people want these things is cuz they think it's going to bring happiness and fulfillment. Mm. That's really what everybody wants. Happiness and fulfillment. That's all I want. I want happiness and fulfillment. That's it. I think I want I want this fancy new car. I want this I want this number 10 relationship. I want to to live in a certain neighborhood. I like the only reason why I want these things is cuz I think they're going to bring me happiness. So really what I want is happiness. And so helping people get to happiness, and how do we get to happiness? We get to happiness by living living a good life, living according to my values. That's my experience. I live according to my values. I do the next right thing. I be of service. I help another person. Then it all comes back to me. I feel good about myself. That's how I get to fulfillment and happiness. And when I lie, when I cheat, when I do the wrong thing, which occasionally I do, you know, I mean, like, and when I do, I, I always know because I feel it. I can feel it. I can feel it in my chest. And and it's like, ah, uh, I got to go clean it up. I need to go make an amends, which I learned through AA was making amends and, and owning, taking responsibility of my part of the wrong. And what do I need to do to make it right? How can I make this right? And, and so I've learned, I don't like making amends. And so I've kind of learned to um like I pause when agitated or doubtful I've learned that and it really helps me to not impulsively make decisions because then if I play it through, I play the tape forward and I think about it how is this going to you know what's going to happen if I make this decision? What's going to happen if I say this thing or I say that thing or I and and, and a lot more often than not I'm able to see that like I may owe an amends later on and I don't want want to make an amends. So therefore, I I bite my tongue and I don't say anything or I say something different. And, And I believe, you know, they say, I remember when I celebrated five years, people said, congratulations, you're no longer a newcomer. And really, it's like, it just, it takes time. It takes time to change, to become reprogrammed. And to learn how to live life differently and to learn how to make different decisions. And so the, the beauty of living, living life and doing the next right thing is that I I get to feel good about myself. And it's, I mean, Hey, it's progress, not perfection. I've, again, I, I mean, I think more often than not, I'm, I'm, I'm doing the next right thing, but occasionally I, I make a decision that I wish I wouldn't have made. I say something I wish I wouldn't have said. And I, and I'm better at cleaning it up more quickly
0: today because I know I'm going to feel better if I clean it up. Right, and you're talking about like making a resolution almost within yourself, or or repairing between relationships. And I do think that that's a very difficult thing for for everyone because not everybody is taught that in their family, or they're taught right. to do it, but they're taught to do it in some weird way that's controlled. And I think that that's important because as a, a human being unless you have some severe disorder or completely antisocial, and that happened to you usually through epigenetics, you can feel when you're off, when you're misaligned. But if we're so misaligned for so long and we're using something to cover up our feelings or using something to distract ourselves from or addicted to something that isn't a drug or alcohol, it's something else we're addicted to, um, I think we can bypass our actual human feelings and just actually start believing that we're doing something that's quote unquote right for us, mm-hmm. but it's actually not right. And I like think that deep down inside, I think people can feel that right. And and so um one of the things I was seeing with your with your uh recovery center and and, and I and, and and you know recovery centers I often get a bad rap in the clinical community because mm-hmm. Of their advertising and marketing brochures, right, and websites, and how that actually lines up when you actually go there. But what I see with you guys is I see action and results coming from a range of services because of this sort of empowering, strength based approach. And that I see, and also obviously you have different levels of care, and then helping people after they leave. Aftercare is so important. And, and you're right in the middle of the city of Phoenix, which is, which is good, uh, because I do, I'm not going to name States, but there's a certain state that's quite swampy and it has a lot of treatment centers in it. And some of the treatment centers there are great because they have the aftercare and they've got that. But I've also heard of people just sending their kid off paying $80,000. And then the kid gets flown back to them sober, but with no community, no aftercare. And it's like this whole mess. And so can you talk about how you're trying to meet people where they're at. I, mean, I, I know that's a fact because I've talked to your staff and um, seen what you guys do. But you know the different levels of care that you provide and 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 how you connect them. So. Yeah. I, and
1: I, I do believe we need to meet people where they're at and we've got everything from, so we've got our inpatient treatment center, which we also do detox at our residential treatment center. That's inpatient. Mm-hmm. And that's for someone that needs to be completely, I don't know, locked, not locked up, but it's like, it's 24 seven. They mm-hmm. live at our treatment center. They live there and they're there 24 hours a day, seven days a week for up to 30 days, uh, basically. And medical therapy, like everything happens on the property. So they don't leave at all. And they don't have, I mean, of course they can leave if they want to, they're not forced to stay there, but it's like, that's where they're at. And that's the highest level of, of care because they, they don't have, because they're, they're, their minds are not you know their minds are pretty clouded you know they're they're all they're doing is they're seeking salute they're seeking a reprieve they're seeking the solution the solution has been drinking and drugs for so long that's the easiest thing to do so by giving them freedom they're more likely going to slip back into their old behavior so the highest level of care is 24 7. The next level of care is PHP. They live in one of our sober living homes. They don't have to live in one of our sober living homes, but it's recommended to live in one of our sober living homes. They get six hours of therapy per day. And then there's there's weekend events, there's outings, there's we have gym memberships, we have a yo- uh, yoga instructor, a yoga comes, comes to the house. So there's a lot of things that are recovery related. So it's still living that recovery lifestyle. So someone can start- At residential treatment, and they can detox at the RTC. And then they can drop down to the next level of care, which would be PHP, partial hospitalization. That's six hours of therapy per day. But then there's a lot more beyond the six hours of therapy per day. It's learning how to live life, living a sober lifestyle, building friendships, building relationships. They get a sponsor, they start working the steps. And then there's IOP, which is the the next level down. They can step down to IOP, which is three hours of therapy per day. They still live at the sober living home. They don't have to live at the sober living home, but it's recommended. They live at the sober living home. And again, they're living a sober lifestyle. They're doing sober things because the way they were living before coming to treatment wasn't working. And so we want to give them we want to give them a way to to recover and become reprogrammed because that's really what needs to happen. Again, like I said earlier, everything's got to change new eating habits, new sleeping habits, new exercise habits. They pray and meditate. They, They do yoga. They, they, they go hiking. There's different things that they can do to get a dopamine hit, which is really that's, that's going to make them feel a lot better as opposed to the drink or the drug. And then after that, we've got. There's sober living is is the next the next level of care, and so that's kind of the full. So we have the full continuum, and I've seen people go. There are other treatment centers that are set up to where they they they'll do outpatient treatment at one place and sober living somewhere else. I just I, my experience is that it's better for everything to be under one uh, at one treatment center because. We have experience with them. We have a relationship with them. Our therapists know them. Our BHTs know them. So we have a relationship with them across the board. And whether we're stepping them down or if they might need to go back up to the next
0: level of care, to the next higher level of care, regardless, we're there for them. Yes, that's very good. It's kind of walking the c- consumers who may not know about this through the levels of care. And then I know after they leave, I think you they can get be connected to groups and aftercare groups and things like that as well. Uh, is that correct?
1: Yeah, we're 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 going to help them get plugged in and then we also provide so we have our Camelback Integrated Health and Wellness Center, which is we provide ancillary services, be it TMS transcranial magnetic stimulation. We also provide ketamine assisted therapy for someone that's um, when it's appropriate, which we found, we found huge benefits to that for for people that are. It's not necessarily We don't. Um, we promote that more for people that are not in our treatment program, but it mm-hmm. is. It is an option in my opinion, I really like seeing people get a little further down the path before we start introducing ketamine-assisted therapy. But TMS has been hugely beneficial for people, especially with um, with depression,
0: anxiety. Have, we've seen really, really good um, results. Yeah, excellent. You have a range of services there. And I, you, I, I think you have like meditation teachers, yoga. What else do you have there? I, I heard there was I feel like I remember there being an acupuncturist or is that did I make that up? Uh, I no,
1: we don't have acupuncture. Okay, I don't think we have it. We might have acupuncture. Okay. I don't think we do though. Not okay. yet, not yet. Okay. We but we have the ability through the Integrated Health and Well The Integrated Health and Wellness Center started uh 8 or 9 months ago, so we're still We're still kind of ramping that up. Dr. Robbie Westerman is our um, chief medical officer. He kind of leads that. He's the main operator in the integrated health and wellness, on the integrated health and wellness side. So he's leading that and it's coming along really well and we're helping a lot of people. And then also we're able to provide psych services and ongoing care for people after they leave our treatment program. Because a lot of times, what happens is that people go through a treatment program and then they're discharged, and it's like, okay, you're discharged. Go find, go find a psychiatrist. Go find a therapist. Go, you know, and and, and people they end up not going and getting support. And we provide mm-hmm. Suboxone, so so we we can help people for an extended period, an indefinite period of time after they leave our treatment center through our integrated health and wellness center. We can see people weekly, bi-weekly, monthly, every few months, regardless, we're there for them to help them in whatever capacity they need assistance, which has been, again, hugely helpful, and beneficial. And we have a relationship with them. Again, if they need a higher level of care, if they need more help, we can guide
0: them. We already have a relationship with them. Very good. Yeah. And that's important because one of the hardest parts about recovery is relapse, which is usually part of recovery is that we have at least small relapses, if not a major relapse sometimes. Not everybody. Some people completely hardline it and they never right. do, Right. but, but, or it shifts to something else, maybe another issue because the root When when you're using drugs, alcohol, or any other addiction, it masks something underneath that needs work or needs help or something. There's something going on psychologically or behaviorally, right? Or maybe medically sometimes, maybe just medically, who knows? There's some cause going on, maybe multiple. So when you take away the alcohol and drugs, those things can be, or addiction, other addictions that can be exposed to work on. Right, but then human nature is sometimes we don't want to work on that thing. It's really too difficult, and we want to avoid that and think that we're okay. And then all of a sudden, something else comes up. So having that long-term relationship, having that outpatient center is important uh, for people, and also of, co- of course getting involved in the community so that they're not just alone on their own. Right, because in in the United States, um, you know, alcohol and marijuana sales are phenomenally high everywhere and right. even more so since the pandemic and people use it sometimes for fun but a lot of times to escape and and cope um with with difficulties in life and if you use enough of it or or frequently enough it actually does not help you to cope with things in life it, it only helps you to cope for things in life for an hour or 6 hours or 10 hours and then all of a sudden you're back but you're actually worse Uh, worse off than you were before as we know we have so many stories we could talk about with that but um it it, and like you said it provides dopamine but it doesn't provide a healthy source of dopamine uh, versus hiking or meditation and yoga and friendship and create being creative and finding a vocation that you love or finding a person you love all you know can provide those healthy and renewable sources of dopamine so um, I definitely think that's something that stood out about your treatment center was that integration. And then, not only that, I, I guess you also have a podcast that you that you uh, have. Can you talk about a little bit about, about that? Right.
1: Yeah. I, so I had the I Love Being Sober podcast, and I started it right after COVID. So we were. I was. I was not going into my office, and I was working from home. And I was like, now's the perfect time to start a podcast. So I just kind of started it. And I have everything from, originally it was people that were in recovery, people and and people that worked in treatment. And then it's kind of evolved and I've had everything. I, I've had so many different types of people. And it's really more along the lines of like, I'm living a sober life. I love my life and you know my kick-ass sober life. And so the things that I'm into, biohacking, health, wellness. So so I ha- I've had just a huge range of people on my podcast that, um, and, and so I've had people talking about breath work, meditation, prayer, biohacking, cold plunging, which cold plunging, by the way, provides, I think it's a, I thought it was a three to 400% dopamine hit. So increase in cocaine, by the way, you get a 250% dopamine hit by doing cocaine. A cold plunge gives you, I believe it's three to 400%. And it's for several hours. I mean, I did a cold plunge this morning and it's amazing. Like, you know, I don't need a cup of coffee. I mean, I feel great. I'm like wide awake and I feel good. I mean, it gets the dopamine going, which there are healthy ways to get the dopamine going. I've had over a hundred, I have, I've had over a hundred guests on my on my podcast. So I've got I have a YouTube channel. And that's more for me, just putting free content out in the world. And if I help one or two people, like that's really that's really what it's about for me. And the other thing though, which I'm sure you can probably relate to this, is it helps me. It helps me stay sober. It help, It holds me accountable to continuing to live my life and to continue learning about the things that are going to help me. And I think another thing is, I remember I used to have, I would have like coffee with people. I'd sit and we'd, we'd have coffee, we'd have lunch. I'd talk about my program, they would talk about their program, and then it's like, okay, great. And then like, that's it. Whereas mm-hmm. if I have someone on my podcast, then... It kind of like I'm I'm more likely to pay attention, I'm more likely to ask better questions, I'm more likely to listen, and then I I get better information and they're giving me better information, and then we push the content out into the world. And and again, it's just all about free content and and helping a few
0: people. Yeah, absolutely. I, I love podcasting for that reason because you try to bring your most consolidated thoughts to the 45 minutes to an hour situation. And then, you know, then you share it because not everybody has access to, I don't know, people that run recovery centers or therapists, you know, they maybe couldn't, uh, you know, luckily we have, you know, Medicaid and things like that where people can get free therapy in certain States. But, um, some people don't have access. They live, you know, out in the middle of the wilderness, so small towns somewhere, and they right. need to have this content. So it's important. And then just, you know, anybody, busy people in cities and around the world. I don't know if you've seen that, but sometimes I'm like, whoa, people are listening to my show in the UK. That's interesting. You know, <laughs> yeah, in yeah, Australia, yeah. it's kind of fun to, yeah. to see that. So, um, yeah, I think that's it's a good way to give back. And like, you're right. And this is, this is a hard thing to with clients. I think that everyone needs to learn this lesson on their own because if you tell people this lesson, I don't think they're ready to receive it. And that's one of the big things I've done with my therapy work is like I try to give people ideas, but I don't want to give them prescriptions because especially right. because it just doesn't work. But one of the ideas that you brought up was I feel better when I'm giving a service to somebody. I feel better when I help somebody and then that helps me and then if I if and then karmically or whatever it comes back to me and that's i think that is important to know for people who have been enveloped in addiction because addiction does make you think only about yourself i mean not only but mostly about yourself and your own pleasure and um and your own pain and i think that that's a tough one for folks who have been hurt by people why would i want to help people you know why? Why would I do that? They, the people are horrible, right? But then it's like, okay, well, let's help you get reoriented and find like-minded people that also have been hurt by people, and right. we can all hang out together. I don't know what your thoughts are. That was just the thought that came up in my brain.
1: Well, actually, what I what I started thinking when you're, um, it's like we we want to help people, we want to give them advice, right? Like I've I've I have I see like, I'm looking at someone from a different lens and I want to give them feedback. My experience is that people don't like unsolicited feedback. They don't like it. Simon Sinek, Simon Sinek talks about it. He's like, people don't want unsolicited, they don't want advice. People don't want feedback. People don't want advice. And I, sometimes I struggle with that because I really like, I want to give people feedback sometimes because I can just see it. But I've, I've gotten much better at just kind of um, – I don't know if it's necessarily biting my tongue, but just un- unless they – and I, and sometimes I'll say, are you open to feedback? And if I say, are you open to feedback, of course they're going to say yes. So that's still kind of giving unsolicited feedback. And I have – and actually I have a a sponsee that I w- was work- – and I actually just fired him. I fired him as a sponsee. I don't normally fire sponsees, but – the, the reason is because he's just, he's just not honest. Like he's, mm. he's totally dishonest. And he's telling me these crazy stories and like, Hey, I got lots of sponsors that lie to me and and like, whatever, you know, like that's what they do. There's they're, they're new. And this guy, I've been sponsoring him for a couple, couple years. And, and I, and I kind of, and I, and I said to him, I was like, listen, man, like your stories don't add up like you got this over here this happened over here you said this over here you know i'm just telling. like i'm like hey i'm not here to interrogate you Uh, i'm just telling you your stories don't add up and you know like i'm gonna kind of leave it at that and and that was like a i don't know a few months ago and then and then he's still like he never came clean he's I, i believe that he's he's drinking he's i mean like there's you know, just the things that he does and the things that he says. I'm like, I'm like, man, do you not think that I, I like, I know you're lying, mm-hmm. and I was, and 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 when I said, hey, I, I, I just, I, I don't think that I'm helping you anymore, and and I think that you're probably going to be better served to find another sponsor, one that you can actually be honest with, because I don't think you're being honest. That was the extent of the feedback that I gave him. If he if he said, well, what do you mean? Then we could have like talked about the dishonesty, but he didn't like he didn't even want to go that he didn't want to talk about it. So that was like it was it would have been unsolicited feedback if I started giving him more information and he's not ready to hear it. So I think this is kind of a side uh, you know, side note, but I just was thinking about that when you were talking about giving people advice and help, because that's what we, like we're in, in the business of helping people and, but people need to want to be helped.
0: Right, we're a provider. That's what they call us. We're clinicians, we're providers. We provide yeah. it, but you have to want it. And also what you are doing by sponsoring people and trying to have an honest, open relationship with them is giving them the opportunity to work on themselves. Yes. And I have an old friend who who says I'm in recovery for myself. I go to these groups for myself. I'm here to yeah. heal myself and I'm yeah. going to be t- I'm going to be as honest as I possibly can. Yeah. with you and myself. And that might inspire you to help yourself and to be honest with yourself. Right. Because he's in he's in recovery himself. And yeah. I was like, that is so profound. And he's got all types of people who want to be sponsored by him because he goes, I'm not here to fix you. And that's yeah. the same thing I try to do in therapy. I say, I, I, I'm not here to wave a magic wand. Like I've got something, now I've got a lot of techniques. i got a lot of things I could work with you on. I got books, I got coping skills, I got EMDR, I got all these things. But if I want to see what you're open to. Right. Because it's not going to work if I just say, oh, I think you should do this, that, the other. Right. It's not going to work. That's what that's what parents do. No offense. (laughs) And that's what the that's what the state says. That's what the law says. They say you got to do this, that, and the other. People are creative. And I think people underneath the addiction or underneath the pain or the trauma or whatever they're going through, they have an idea of something they could contribute or something creative. But I think there's a lot of fear in actually trying that and that piece and so i think with therapy and with recovery and going you know if you're in the throes of addiction you've got to you know not necessarily but i would say you know it might be life or death for you to have to go into a treatment center you might have to give up control give up your power uh and then eventually like you said it's like you go step down you step down you step down more autonomy we trust you you've learned these things but we're here for you it's not very few people are actually forced into treatment i think usually probation parole criminal activity will do it uh certain people like uh get in trouble and they have like a license with the state for some type of business or medical profession you will have to do it right but um that's more rare i think what we're talking about is your average your average person out there well and i or think like I you, know. sure.
1: well i mean hey the the i i got sober because my my now ex-wife, um, she, she said, I'm leaving you. And the Mm -hmm. only way I'll consider taking you back is if you get sober. So that, so my experience, it doesn't really matter how someone gets sober, how they get to treatment. And a lot of people, it could be, so maybe they're not necessarily forced by probation parole they're losing their license whatever but it can be their family says we're cutting you off if you don't go to treatment the wife says i'm leaving you if you don't go to treatment the husband says i'm leaving you if you don't you know i'm not going to financially support you if you don't go so a lot of people end up in treatment and they are kind of kind of forced into it and i don't it doesn't really matter my experience it doesn't matter how someone gets to treatment but eventually they have to want to do it for themselves. Mm. They have mm. to get to that point, point. and the sooner they get to that point, the easier it is. I, I think. I don't know. I don't know if that's necessarily true, but they. Def- but what I know for sure is that they eventually have to do it for themselves.
0: Yeah, or to so work, it's got to be for yourself. But you're right. There, there's often a story about why people come into therapy. There's often a motivation or a crisis or something. You know that yeah. that pushes you into. Yeah looking at your behavior and your moods and 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 especially in this case you're if you have an addiction uh so yeah let me let's uh we're, we're kind of waxing poetic about a lot of different topics but just kind of in the summary just because of of time constraints you know what are some ways that people that are curious about getting sober can kind of like maybe learn from camelback recovery or maybe your podcast what are some ways people get connected if they're curious and then secondly if they are in trouble what do they do so let's go with the curious people first
1: okay so if they're curious and they want to learn more i'd say look at my listen to my podcast i'm on all the i'm on all the platforms i love being sober that's on spotify apple itunes Camelback recovery is the name of my YouTube channel. So you can check out my videos. And and so that's how, that's how I know to, for someone to, to, to learn more about us. And I would say just talking to other people that are in recovery. And I mean, there's, there's, it's hard to find good information out there, but I know for sure that I share good information, whether it's on my podcast or on my YouTube channel. If, they're, if they want to take it a step further and they really want to talk to somebody and just find out what the options are, I would say call call us, call our, our treatment center, and they can speak with one of our admissions coordinators. Our number is 602-466-9880, so 602-466-9880. They can go to our website, camelbackrecovery.com, and learn more about our services there. And whatever we can do to help, and we can either help you, if we can't help you, then our business development team has relationships with treatment centers all over Arizona, all over the country, so we can for sure help you get to the right place. Or even if you just need to find a meeting, I mean, we can help you find a meeting too. I mean, that like that was the first thing I did was I went, I, I called the central office and I went to I went to an AA meeting. Like that was that was the first thing that I did. And that's the first thing that a lot of people do.
0: Very good. Yeah, it does take uh it does take the first step. So whether you're putting your toes in the water with a podcast, going up to your waist by going to a meeting, or you're going, you know what? I need to meet, I need to go to treatment. It, it may not be inpatient, maybe outpatient, but I need to I need to get involved. It's I, I would say this. It it is it is the start to your healing journey, whatever you want to call it. People some people mm-hmm. call it recovery, some people call it, you know, a journey. And if you're not liking where your life is going and you feel like you are compelled to do a behavior or a drug or alcohol, that's a good sign that you think you're in control. So I don't want to go to treatment because that might change me, but you're actually not in control. Right, right. And 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 the best thing about what I've seen from your clinic is you're not trying to control anybody you're saying here's what we've got here's what we're offering you and and uh and that's important so uh, yeah, my last question, i mean we're yeah we're sorry to cut you off we're all they're about fine. meeting people where they're at
1: and that that's it like meet you where you're at and so if you're willing to pick up the phone and call one of our admissions coordinators we're just like we just want to have a conversation with you and we'll we'll give you some resources and and tell you how we can help you
0: yeah, my last question is just uh do you take people from out of state? We do. Yes. Okay. Excellent.
1: Yeah, we take people from all over the country, we take people from different parts of the world. So, I mean, Arizona is actually a great it's a great place to get clean and sober. The the sober community in Arizona is amazing. I I just I feel so lucky and so I already lived in Arizona and and so to get plugged into the the recovery community here it's just been it's it's amazing and I I swear I I don't I can't really go anywhere without seeing somebody in recovery mm. and it's just like it's a really comforting feeling especially my first few years you know, I can just I can see somebody like whether I'm at a coffee shop, I'm at a movie, I'm hiking Camelback Mountain. I'm I'm doing an Ironman. I'm like I'm at a yoga studio. Like literally everywhere I go, I see people that are in recovery. So we don't even have to have a conversation, but it's just it's just comforting to see somebody that I know. And it's like, OK, I, I know them. I, I know him. And and it's just it's like I said, it's it's really comforting.
0: That's great to know. Yeah, I've, I've heard things uh, about the uh, Arizona recovery community. But I, I'm glad to hear a firsthand account uh, about your own experience and and, and uh, how tight knit it is and how 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 large it is. So mm-hmm. that's that's I think happy. we have like over 1500 meetings a day or something like that. Something ridiculous. That's incredible. Yes. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm excited to put all the stuff in the show notes and to uh, put this out there. So I really appreciate your time, Tim. Thank you so much. Awesome. Thank you so much, Paul. Um, it was a, a pleasure to be on your show. Um, anything I can
1: do to help.
2: $1. Absolutely. <laughs>
0: This has been another episode of the Intentional Clinician Podcast. If you're enjoying the show, please share it with people you know. I would surely appreciate it, or take just a minute to give us a rating on iTunes. As most of you know, I am passionate about preventing future violence in the United States. My colleagues and I have started a non called the National Violence Prevention Hotline, a 501c3. Organization. We are endeavoring to gain funding and collaborators so that we can start a 24 7 hotline and chat line to reach potential perpetrators before they act violently. It is a bold effort to save lives and curb violence by working to connect with potential offenders while they are in the planning stages of violence, help to de escalate them, and provide resources so that they can get appropriate professional help. The National Violence Prevention Hotline is looking to open up a conversation about violence in society, the causes, and the solutions. You can learn more by visiting our website, www.violencepreventionhotline.org. Join us online by signing our petition on the website, sharing the website with your network of people, donating to the cause if you like, and you can now even write your congressperson from our website with a simple form. I've said it before and I'll say it again. If you are a therapist looking for ethical and excellent medical billing services, check out therapistbillingservicesllc.com. That's www.therapistbillingservicesllc.com. Billing services created by therapists for therapists. If you're looking for an EMDR International Association Consultant, I am a consultant and I can provide you the 20 hours you need to become EMDRIA certified. I have groups, online and in person and I do individual consultation just send me a message at the website and I'll get back to you if you want to get trained in EMDR therapy check out the great training opportunities with EMDR training solutions I've worked with them before and they are phenomenal so register today if you are in need of counseling do not hesitate to make an appointment at a local counseling center in your area you can also make an appointment with the excellent clinicians in the Grand Rapids, Michigan area at Health for Life Counseling and the Trauma-Informed Counseling Center of Grand Rapids by visiting www.healthforlifegr.com. The recording you just listened to consists of the personal opinions of Paul Kraus and his guest. And while these are based on the literature they have read and the experience in their fields, this should not be viewed as a definitive opinion on any subject. Listening to this podcast is not a substitute for treatment. If you're in a crisis, please dial 911 or the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 988. You can also text 741741 and a live, trained crisis counselor will respond. Did you know you could support your local bookstore by shopping at www.bookshop.org? You can order from the comfort of your own home online while supporting local brick-and-mortar businesses near you. If you are a therapist and you are not a member of your national or local therapy organizations such as the American Counseling Association or the American Mental Health Counselors Association, please get involved. At least pay the dues, it will help the lobbyists in our field keep us from becoming gig workers. And, of course, there's the bonus of increasing mental health education around the United States and helping people understand what counseling is and promoting best practices within our profession. Until next time, I wish you all a safe and peaceful week.
2: And stay crunk. It's easy to pull a breezy smoke trees and we stay drunk. Yo, activism attacking the system. The blacks and Latin's in prison. Numbers in prison. They victim black in the vision. Shit and all they got is rapping to listen to. i let them know we missing you. The love is unconditional. Even when the condition is critical and the living is miserable. Your position is pivotal. I ain't bullshitting you now. Why would I lie? Just to get by. Just to get by. Get fly. The TV got us reaching for Sunday morning at the feet of the father They need something to rely on We get high on all types of drugs When all you really need is love Just to give by, just to give by, Just to give by, just to give Stronger hey, people hey, than mine